Welcome, you're listening to the Wine and Whiteboards podcast. We're a team of five badass women who will be your sommeliers to the marketing world. We work and whiteboard together at our nine to five every day in B2B marketing. We're a small, scrappy team that's picked up a few secret hacks along the way, and we want to share our crazy ideas with you. Let's call it an anything but ordinary guide to marketing and design. From Chardonnay to Rosé, we've got your marketing sips and design tips. Now that's worth raising a glass to. So grab your favorite vino and join us. everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Wine and Whiteboards podcast. So we have a very special guest today, all the way from San Diego, California. Say hi to Erica from Non-Demarketing. Erica, so nice to have you here with us today. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Of course. We're super excited to have this conversation today. So for those who don't know, Non-Demarketing is an eco-conscious digital marketing agency that works with mission-driven companies to help create impactful content that engages with sustainable customers. We're really excited to learn more about ways marketers can create a positive impact on the planet and also inspire sustainable change. So there's a lot to learn on this episode. So we wanna make sure that we dive in quickly because there's a lot to cover. So before we dive in and share all of these awesome eco-marketing tips, We want to give you a little behind the scenes look, as usual, regarding what we are drinking today, because this is called wine and whiteboards, after all. So hopefully you have your own glass of vino in front of you while you're listening. So I can go ahead and start. I am drinking bread and butter Sauvignon Blanc today. I've been on a Sauvignon Blanc kick, and it is such a refreshing wine. I forgot how crisp they are. Very delicious. I am also drinking a Sauvignon Blanc today. It's from my First Leaf subscription, so I don't remember exactly the name of it. But as I was pouring it, I legit was thinking champagne, and I just kept pouring. And I was like, oh, it's kind of like a champagne glass and just filling it up, except for it's definitely not the size of a champagne glass. So this could get very interesting, but I was just really excited to have a glass of wine. So cheers. Kelly, that's a very full glass. Stay tuned to see how Kelly sounds in about an hour. It was nice outside. I just was like, ooh, let's keep pouring. Okay, so this is Katie, and I tried to play along with today's theme. I found a Pinot Grigio by Meza Corona. It has a little sticker on it that says it's eco-sustainable certified. So I think Erica might be able to educate us on this kind of branding and if it's truly something that's eco-conscious or not and what we have to look out for. So stay tuned. But I thought I'd play along with today's theme. Awesome. I love that. I just wanted to share what I was drinking. It's kind of boring, but I'm just drinking old-fashioned water in my reusable water bottle. It is almost 1.30 here in San Diego, so I still got a, a good work day. You guys are, are lucky. It's almost 4.30 over there, so I'm jealous. As I say, that's like the most eco-friendly drink I feel like you could be drinking today, so you're very on brand for your company. <laughs> Katie, I wanted to play along with the theme, but I didn't go shopping and do things, plan accordingly for eco-friendly wine, so I used what I had in my stash, which was carnivore, I'm sorry, Paige, because I feel like this is one of your favorites, and I know you can't have it with the baby, so you can pseudo-drink through me today. Carnivore says it's meat was made for carnivore, and you have to indulge your primal side. And we're making meatloaf later, so I feel like it somehow complements it. (laughs) I'm so jelly right now. I, like, if if everyone could look at my face on this right now, I'm, like, so upset. Because carnivore is my absolute favorite, and my husband loves it, and he has been drinking it without me during pregnancy, so... That is fun. I am drinking the chocolate milk stout again. It's a non-alcoholic one, but actually more of, I mean, more of what I've been thinking is the snacks I've been eating because I always have a snack next to me. I don't know if you guys have had these yet before, but it's the, can you guys pronounce these? Shehale snacks? Those are so good, Paige. I'm addicted. I literally just ate this whole bag in one sitting. They're the cashew with pomegranate. And I'm like... Oh, well, pregnancy cravings. No one's judging me. (laughs) So non-alcoholic beer and some cashews. Not too bad of a day. It's like basically charcuterie. Yeah. It's like the pregnancy one. (laughs) Who knows? 
they sell those at Target. So for those who don't know, I think it's Sahel and they're in like a pink bag and they are amazingly delightful. Highly recommend. Even if you're not. Yeah. I wish they had bigger bag sizes, but whatever. And it's recyclable, which I just looked up and I like that. (laughs) So here we go. (laughs) Diving in on that. Perfect. So obviously we're all trying to be a little bit more eco-conscious knowing that uh, Erica was here today. But before Erica, before we really get into some of the meat around the eco-friendly and eco-conscious marketing, can you give us a little bit of a background on who you are, why you started Naughty Marketing, and you know what you do? Yeah, of course. So hi, everyone. My name is Erica, and I am founder and CEO of Naughty Marketing. It's an eco-conscious digital marketing agency. I am 28 years old and living in San Diego, beautiful San Diego, California. I was telling these girls how sunny it is today, even though it was supposed to rain, the sun is still shining here. So living in in good old paradise. But yeah, started my company last year during COVID. I'm very transparent with my story of how I got laid off in late February, right before the pandemic. And was just very fortunate. I had a freelance, I was freelancing on the side, had a client and was thinking, what ways can I be giving back to the planet? And I started, you know, trying to get more clients and I I started building uh, what is Nandi Marketing. Isn't it amazing how things just kind of work out too? Like you had an, you know, an unfortunate circumstance, you saw the opportunity and it kind of all came together, which is so, so crazy and cool to see. Yeah, I can't believe that was already a year ago, that we're already, you know, on that year mark of COVID and getting laid off and, you know, just working with clients that I love to work with and supporting them. It's been a wild year. (laughs) It's been a wild year. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it's been an entire year. Erica, so where did you work? So obviously you were in the corporate world previously. So what's your background in, in terms of your previous work experience? Yeah, of course. After university, I started working for Zipcar, which is a car sharing um, company owned by Avis. And I worked for them for a year and a half. And then I joined Lyft, which is ride sharing company. I worked for with their marketing team for three and a half years after it. And then after that, got laid off last year. It's a very relatable story. I think a lot of people are going through that right now. And like either they've been doing freelance and that's gone to the wayside, people just don't have the budget or people are being laid off because of COVID. So I think it's very understanding for people to hear that right now. And you've ran with it. You've started your own business. I think that's probably something you've always wanted to do in the back of your mind. So it's really encouraging for us to hear. Yeah, I've been, I, I think I've always knew I was going to start my own business, but I've, I was very passionate about Lyft and its core mission and just thinking, you know, differently about car ownership. Obviously, that kind of goes within the impact of the environment and everything like that. But it was really this this push that I really needed to start my own business. And then, you know, my background as far as like where I was born and my parents and everything, I was born in the restaurant industry. So I've always had that, you know, entrepreneurship mindset since practically I was born, I would say. Erica, how did you come up with the name Nandi? Does it have a meaning behind it or? Yeah, so Nandi um, is Fijian. It's actually a city in Fiji. And that is where, you know, during university, I got to study abroad in Sydney. And then I had a stopover and I took that time to work at the volunteer at an orphanage for a month. But during that time, I got stuck in a cyclone over there. And so that was a category four cyclone in 2012. Unfortunately, I couldn't get out in time. It came very quickly. And so I had to to go through that cyclone. It's very different from what I get here in San Diego or even my hometown, which is Central California. I'm used to earthquakes, a couple of seconds. But the cyclone, you know, the, the strongest part, which is called the eye, that lasted 24 hours of rain, of winds that were, you know, way over 100 miles per hour trees being ripped off, you know, from the whole roots and everything. A little part of our roof came off. So basically my near-death experience, but it definitely changed my whole outlook on life. And seeing that natural um, disaster, especially how it impacted everyone, 
and how we're seeing them way more frequently now, especially in 2020. We saw a lot of wildfires in California. We're seeing hurricanes. We're seeing everything that's going on in Texas this year, or excuse me, everywhere in like the, the middle of the U.S. The climate is changing. And so that definitely just made me way more cautious of um, conscious of what I'm doing, my actions, and how my business is playing a role with our planet. So that's where the name came from. That was kind of a long story, but that's that's uh, kind of where everything drew of my shifting point in life. I think sometimes people ask themselves of like, how did I come up with this idea or whatever? That's a very big story and like a very yeah, cool. <laughs> so don't be afraid to share that with us. I feel like if we were to come up with, oh, how do you start one of whiteboards? It's definitely not as significant as your story. Yeah, over a few drinks at a bar. We like alliteration. What was your story? No. no. Well, I spent so much time on my, my business name. Kind of, I think I spent maybe like three weeks. I, I went exactly where you were going. I was going with like, what seems catchy? And I was going through like SEO because I'm a marketing person. Like I wanted it to be like, you know, good with ranking and everything. When I was thinking about it, it kind of just came to me of like, you know, basics like when did I even start about start thinking about being eco-conscious or you know and that's kind of how it started and it popped it it popped I gave myself a timeline actually and it was that last day that that name came from that's awesome though I, I think that putting a lot of thought into it in the front end will save you a lot of time later because I see a lot of accounts on social media that maybe spin something up real quick because you know like want to be fast, get things done, play fearless. But then we see a lot of these accounts going through a like a rebrand. And I think we've seen some that even go through like multiple rebrands in a short period of time. So I think that the thought up front will be worth it for you in the long run. Yeah, thank you. I think so too. <laughs> so now that we know a little bit about like how you wanted to get started and stuff, could you share a bit more about like your marketing team and like your focus or your niche? Yeah, of course. So right now I'm just a team of one as I'm trying to grow Nandi Marketing. And my focus is that I'm working with mission-driven companies, social impact organizations, 1% for the planet members, B Corps, uh, sustainable business owners, what I call our ecopreneurs. So any entrepreneurs that are eco-minded or any of them that are trying to you know, aspire to be eco-minded or sustainable. I'll also work with them as well. And then my marketing focus is content marketing, partnerships, digital marketing campaigns, and then, and SEO now. So if someone came to you, but they weren't really a 1% for the member or for the planet member or part of B Corps or sustainable business or an eco entrepreneur, would you turn them away? Or I'm just curious, like how like how much would you stay true to your mission or would you take them on and maybe try to help them see more eco-friendly practices or things like that? Yeah, I kind of take it case by case. Of course, I want them to aspire to be to be that if they're working with me, as well as I also have some clients that they may not be, you know, sustainable, but they are giving back to their communities. So they are social, you know, they do have like a social cause to them and they are trying to give to give back to their communities in their own way. You know, I know with everything going on with COVID and everything, you know, all of us are trying to give back. And so of course you don't have to be, you know, eco-friendly, you don't have to be an eco-friendly uh, product or anything, but I do like to have them, you know, be very purpose-driven. You could almost say, too, it's like you got to start somewhere. So even if they weren't in the past, at least coming with you to be their marketer moving forward, that could start, you know, their path to being more eco-friendly. Yeah, and I think it's all about educating them, too. I mean, some things as, as far as their business foundations, they might not even, you know, be aware of that they can be you know, more sustainable, and that will also save them money in the long run. So we definitely talk about that. I think, you know, anytime you have a conversation with me, I'm always talking about, you know, my new finds, my new learnings, because I love sharing that out. I think it's going to be more and more people are coming forward, we're almost demanding it. 
I was working with a subscription box company and the users were coming and saying, we know the impact subscription boxes have on the environment. We need it to be eco-friendly. This is what we want. It was kind of a big request. And so we ended up changing a lot of our values and changed it so that we have eco-friendly things. We are eco-conscious things, I should say. The printing was done consciously, so it wasn't impacting the environment from a recyclability standpoint. Like there were a lot of steps that we started to take and it was a demand because of the clients. So I'm curious if that's going to be more pre prevalent in the future. I definitely think it is. I think now, even with, you know, with politics and everything, I feel like we're just, it's climate change is so much more relevant now and people are getting educated on it. And right now we can also see like what's going on with everything around us that people you know, they are demanding this from their brands and also brands are smart right now. Brands are companies and different businesses. They're taking a stance on, you know, being sustainable and, you know, trying to help the, the planet and trying to combat this climate change going on. I feel like you're seeing that more now with all of these claims or initiatives that they're having. It's by a lot of different companies now, which is good. It's great to see. Thank you. Yeah, it is. Would you be willing to share some of the organizations or clients that you do work with? Yeah, of course. So one of my clients is the Mighty Bin and the founder, Isabel, is looking to launch the first zero waste grocery store in San Diego, which will be launching this year. So it's going to be all plastic free groceries. So I'm helping her launch that. Another one of my clients is Eco Boat Rentals, and they believe that you should play with purpose, right? So they offer pedal boat experiences where you can fit up to four people or even bring your, you know, their dogs onto the boats. They're very, you know, family friendly and dog friendly. And then the last one I'll mention is Meter Leader, which is an energy savings virtual challenge that integrates with real time energy data. So it's basically like a, like a Fitbit challenge, but instead of steps, they're measuring the kilowatt hour therm and corresponding carbon emission reductions, but making it in a, you know, a fun challenge way. So you are also cutting your energy costs and you are reducing your carbon emissions. I feel like I would love that because I'm competitive. And also right? <laughs> when like, and also when I first met my husband, it was really funny because I remember him coming over to my condo and he was joking that he could see his breath in the air that it because it was so cold because I used to keep it so cold, not only for money purposes, but also for like energy. I was like, I don't want to waste things. I don't want to waste my, my money. I don't want to waste the energy. And I literally used to keep my condo so cold. That has changed now. So I probably need to get better at it. So I could probably use something like meter leader. Yeah, I love their platform because it's just, you know, it's making it in a fun and engaging way. And like you said, people like, you know, that challenge, they like to be competitive. So it's good for companies. It's good for different groups that want to do this challenge. And especially because right now with COVID, I mean, it's all virtual as well. So you can do this in your home and you can compete on that level on your couch. I like when they try to integrate it with the people that are experiencing, you know, I don't know how to explain this any better, but I was just, it brought me to, we were at a trade show a few years ago and I remember seeing this bicycle that attendees would have to go on in order to like blend their smoothie. And it was just, it has stuck with me for a few years now. And I was like, it's just kind of fun when people are involved and they understand how they can impact things. And it, it's just a fun way to experience like eco-friendly. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> It's a fun way to experience it because sometimes it's like, oh yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. I should be using reusable bags at the grocery store, but it's another way to put it into perspective in that light. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get it, Paige. It's like, do, do you guys ever feel like energy and electricity is kind of like, it's like a given and you can't really see it. It's not tangible. So I feel like they're trying, you know, if you're pedaling on a smoothie bike, you didn't just get to plug in that bike or plug in the smoothie blender, like you had to work for it. And the same thing with this leaderboard, like it's that whole gamification. You need to see, I don't know, it's just like tracking your steps, right? Like you can see where exactly. you're at and how it adds up over time, which is interesting. It's awareness. It's like breaking down something that you can't see into something that you can process and digest and understand. 
Erica, one of the things we've heard you mention a few times so far in the conversation is 1% for the planet members. And we know that you are also a 1% for the planet member. Can you share and elaborate on what does that mean and what's the benefit of being a member? Yeah, so 1% uh, for the planet is a global movement inspiring businesses and individuals to support environmental solutions through membership and everyday action. So as a member, I've made the commitment with Nandi Marketing to donate 1% of my business revenues to environmental organizations. So with that, I always knew I wanted to become a member. It's pretty well known. It was founded by the founder of Patagonia and someone else that I should remember his name, but I do not. But it was by those two individuals and with that, you know, you, you do have to make that financial commitment of giving back, but it's great now because any business can also be a member with that monetary donation or the non-monetary donation. So they actually let business owners, you can donate like in-kind donation. So if you do have like a product or service, you can do it that way, or you can do employee volunteering. And then if you are an individual, which I did not know this, you can also be a 1% for the planet member, which you would just donate 1% of your salary or income, or you can volunteer that time. So it's just kind of this like growing network of people that want to give back to the planet. Can you imagine if everybody in all companies gave 1%, like what a big impact that would make? I'm pretty sure we did a company survey recently. We had like a, we had an employee feedback survey that came out at our company. I'm pretty sure somebody on this team put on there that we should join the 1% for the planet. So TBD, we shall see if that works or pans out. <laughs> well, what do you think about it? Like 1% doesn't seem like that much, but I mean, I, I guess as companies get bigger and bigger and bigger, 1% also gets bigger and bigger and bigger, but I don't know. I just, I feel, I'm surprised that more companies don't do it, I guess, for 1% and for the good. It surprises me. Well, it's kind of like putting your money where your mouth is, right? I don't know. One of our core plays is impact, but sometimes I don't know if we always follow through with impact because it could be monetary or volunteer or in-kind donations. And I mean, that is a whole gamut of things. And to Katie's point, like 1% isn't a lot. And obviously I don't think 1% would hurt our bottom line. So, but it can add up to be a lot of money, 1%, depending on what your revenue ends up being. So, but then when you start thinking about it, out of your own bank account, I was like, oh, like 1%. You're like, do you want to give up that 1%? Like, but what would I else would I do with it? When you start putting into perspective, 1% is like a lot more coffees and I don't know what else, but could I give those up? I feel like when you put it, Sarah, where you're going with like, how many coffees is that? Whatever. I'm the kind of person where I like to visually see what something represents. So if I feel like instead of saying 1%, if someone told me, like, if you could give up, like, 10 Tim Hortons coffees a year or something like that, and, like, that would be your donation or whatever. Obviously, it would be more than that because I think a Tim Hortons coffee is, like, $1. But <laughs> I feel like if someone put it in, like, that kind of, uh, like, visual, like, if someone was able to explain it to me like that, I feel like it'd be a lot easier for people to digest, maybe. You'd be able to make that trade off, right? Yeah. I made exactly. it that way. When you pay the 1%, because obviously I'm not a 1% member, is it, this sounds really silly, but can you be on like a payment plan or a subscription? Like, can they take 1% out of like every paycheck or do you just have to like cut a check at the end of the year and you're like, here's my 1% of the whole year? I don't really know how it works. Yeah, so I know that there is, so I just joined in February and I did have to cut a check for, to be a member because there's like a starter fee and stuff like that. But then after that, depending on what you make, what I will make in 2020, I will be able to put that into whatever charity I would like to donate. There are nonprofit partners because they do vet their nonprofit partners, but they have a whole database of them. So there's some in San Diego. So one that I'll be donating to, it will be one in San Diego and also one in Fiji that I get to choose. I'm sure you have a tax break with this donation as well, right? I'm sure you do, actually. Yeah, that should be right. 
And then once you pay, they give you the rights to use their logo, right? Because it's a it's a very known logo. If you've seen it, a lot of people put it in their footers if they contribute. Oh, so, yeah, you get to use their logo and they provide you a whole like business asset kit, which is amazing. Yeah, I've seen them on email signatures. I put it on my website. I actually have it on like my Zoom background. And so definitely a conversation starter as well. So I will use that logo anywhere because I'm also proud to be it. I'm proud to be the member. So I will put that anywhere that I can, as well as, you know, you get to network with all of the other members that are very aligned with you. So I think the networking portion of partnering with them or collaborating with them is also a benefit, you know, to your business as well. Right. It gives you the opportunity to network with some big brands like Patagonia, Clean Canteen, New Belgium Brewing, Boxed Water and companies like that. So I hope that this partnership is very fruitful for you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm definitely, I'm really excited. Yeah. I, I know that they have events once we can meet in person, which will be great to meet those folks, you know, actually in person, but right now it's great. You know, we're meeting virtually. So I, I am networking with them even during this COVID period. You guys, we're all going to become 1% just members. And then we start our group text. It's all going to be signed with like our individual, like the their symbol so that we all know that we're a part of it. <laughs> I love that. So we've talked a lot about eco-friendly marketing and just kind of the, the niche that you work in, Erica. But for those who are listening and may not know, can you share with us a little bit about what eco-conscious marketing is? And then also maybe a little bit of what it is not? Because I know that was those were some of the conversations that we were having in prep for this podcast is that sometimes there's a lot of misconceptions of what eco-conscious or eco-friendly marketing might be. Yeah, so I think with eco, if you put anything, you know, in in front, if you put eco in front of anything, it seems like that is somewhat eco-friendly. So eco-marketing kind of gives the perception that like my marketing services or are, or like I can be, how do I explain this? My marketing services can make your product eco-friendly, which is misleading. So what I do say is my skills are not specialized in eco-conscious marketing. Instead, I use my marketing skills to work for brands that are or aspiring to be eco-conscious or purpose-driven. Does that make sense? That definitely makes sense. And I also like the the point you made about how like people are throwing eco in front of everything and thinking that like all of a sudden it, it it's eco-friendly in some way, shape, or form. Like somebody could do eco-oil and guarantee the perceptions that people would have or say, oh, this must be better for the environment or this must be better. So I think you're you're spot on with that. Right. Didn't this happen with the grocery stores a few years ago where like organic had to be, they had to change their qualifications because everyone was saying that like their products met it at some point. Do you guys remember that? I feel like weren't people using the word natural? Yes, and like natural became like everything is natural, but then natural started to mean nothing. <laughs> like exactly. what is natural? I don't know. Natural flavors. Actually, didn't like water companies, you know how the sparkling waters became so popular and they would be like with natural flavoring, which I love, so I'm not knocking them, but then <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it came out that they weren't really natural flavors. Like there was a lot of unnatural stuff in there. Right. Which I think brings us to our next point. Erica, something you told us about is greenwashing, which I had never heard of. And I think a lot of us on this team had never heard of. And so we're assuming some of our listeners haven't heard of greenwashing either. Can you explain a little bit more about what greenwashing is? Of course. So greenwashing, kind of the false perception of when a company or organization markets themselves as environmentally friendly. So with that, businesses as well on the other side, when you think about it, they can either give off that perception so they are greenwashing or they actually have fear of it because people are green shaming them. So there's kind of two folds to that, but some examples of what greenwashing is, it could be a company stating that their products are, you know, throwing those terms that we kind of already said, you know, there's a good amount of these terms of like being eco-friendly, sustainable, organic, natural, earth-friendly, chemical-free, non-toxic, certified green. 
But what does that exactly mean if you throw it out there? And you can literally put that on any product. If I said that this is almost this is an earth friendly product, um, that doesn't give me any evidence of what you have been doing uh, for the environment, or if you're using actual like organic, you know, certain materials. That doesn't give me anything when you put in these terms in front of it. So that is what greenwashing is. So this is going to be a really cynical question, <laughs> but okay. is it fair to say that if a product does not have a 1% for the planet membership logo on it, or they don't outline specifically on their website or on their products, how they are eco-friendly eco and how they are substantiating their claims, is it fair to say that it should be questioned and you should not just rely on the statements that they're putting on their packaging? I think we're we're getting to that point. And I think it's unfortunate to say that we are getting to that point because these businesses that are, you know, for profit are you know, are greenwashing and they're putting these terms out there that we're not even, you know, we just buy whatever we see. Or if there's, you know, like we already mentioned, there's colors out there that are within these blue tones and green tones that give this perception that they are, you know, eco-friendly, you know, we're, we're doing some impulse purchasing and we're buying them because we think, you know, they have to be eco-friendly. But I think we're at to this point that, you know, it's been, that way or how you already explained you know that natural example that all of the companies are now natural but they aren't so i think we we do have to kind of do our research i know it could be a little bit overwhelming but some of these you know companies that are a part of these associations they do have credibility and i i would say to start look at start looking at those first to give you some some peace of mind that they are trying to do what they can and they're trying to be transparent in their materials or how they're manufacturing their product or within their their shipping packaging they're trying to do the best that they can because there's not really any overlying like you know regulation or anything that says if somebody puts on their branding like oh this is eco-friendly or you know sustainable who's really judging that it actually is or isn't it's kind of really up to us as consumers to actually put that effort in to research it, right? Nobody out there is telling us, oh, no, that's a lie, so we can't actually do that. They're allowed to kind of just put what they want on their packaging, right? Right, yeah, there's no real, like, police out there, especially with, like, the regulations that I've been reading. It seems like more within, like, the UK and Australia, they have more stricter regulations, let's say, like, of these, like, toxic materials and stuff, but here in the U.S., you know, a lot of we don't have those strict regulations, which we probably we do need. Isn't there a really sad stat about like how much is actually recyclable from what we put in our bins that are taken away every week? It's like people aren't putting them away properly or like what they think is recyclable really isn't. Or maybe it's just the packaging was misleading because as a designer, I have a very like aware mindset of those colors that you said or even like icons like if it has to do with a a tree or you see a lot where it's like two leaves or something and that's eco-friendly and people always are like "Ooh, i want to go to that one and it's just inherent i think inside of us to pick those because we think we're doing a lot to help but it's it is very smart of you to bring that awareness and have people research it themselves and make sure it actually is following those guidelines and i think also what you just said, too, is like, you know, we think about recycling almost first. I think, you know, within this zero waste hierarchy of like, you know, if you are the marketer or if you are the business owner, you can also rethink and redesign your packaging firsthand. So then it could have a second use or it could have, you know, it can be compostable. So then we don't even have to go to like this recycling. It can go straight to, you know, the planet in a sense. I feel like recycling, you know, we always, when we think about being eco-friendly and stuff, recycling comes first, but, you know, there is definitely that reduce and reuse categories first that we should be reducing, trying to be almost not like a minimalist per se, but just think about all the items and, you know, 
all the materials and everything that you guys are, everyone's purchasing, and then also trying to reuse everything that you have before recycling. Have you guys seen Grove? I really like them. They're really big on their commercials right now with all the, like, eliminating single-use, like, plastic containers for, like, cleaning products and stuff. Obviously, with COVID, people are super into cleaning their homes right now. But Grove has these glass bottles, and then you get, like, little concentrated bottles, so it's not as much single-use that you would put it in your own container and add water to help create your own cleaning products. Or they're in tablet form. Oh, are they? That's cool. Yes, I've seen that too. I actually saw this woman. Oh, I really want to look it up. She traveled so much. She was like a stewardess. And so she decided, I've been using so many traveling toothpaste containers and they go by so quickly. So she started a company where it's in a tablet form and you bite it and you're able to like. Yes, thank you. I was like, it's really, it's a very like on brand thing. But yeah, so it's called bite, right? Right. Yeah. I, I really like their stuff. I know we are talking about how there isn't an overall governing body, but there are certain symbols you can look for on products. Like certified organic does mean if it says certified organic and it has the actual symbol in the like icon that it's certified organic does mean it did have to go through some kind of process to be certified. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean it was 100% organic because I'm pretty sure they can get away with like 70% or something like that. But it does help give you like a baseline, I guess. And again, if you're looking at products, obviously you should try to minimize what you're buying. But there are like the recycling symbol will tell you what what you can recycle and if it is recyclable. So as long as you're looking at the numbers on the actual packaging and whether or not you can recycle it, those are at least some guidelines you can go by. Yeah, of course. There are associations that, like, for example, that 1% for the planet, that's also an association if you do see that. I actually just saw that on my sourdough bread the other day. And I was like, wow, that is amazing. You know, they're putting it on their packaging. So we know that they are a 1% for the member, 1% for the planet member. But I think if you do see something that has that vague language of, you know, earth friendly and it's a seal, maybe just do a Google search on that company or that, that seal, I would say. Sarah, going back to when you brought up the cleaning products, I was just looking at um, some things we had listed out over here on our outline. Like there are some pretty big brands that I've used for most of my life and my mom has used for what I can remember. And I'm almost, I don't know, almost 30. So like Tide and Windex, like these are companies that may be giving you the perception that they're doing something super helpful for the planet, but it might not be entirely true. So these are brands that like, I guess I would trust since they've been around for so long and they're such great big names. It makes me a little sad to see that these brands I've been using, I don't know, I use them every week are, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to say like lying. Cause I guess I'm, I'm not the one that's doing my research, but it makes me sad. There's actually something, Katie, here, as I was reading, the Windex example that that we talked about is, Erica, so maybe you can shed a little bit more light on this one, but is that Windex came out with the first ever 100% recycled ocean plastic bottle. And the term ocean plastic gives an incorrect perception from the sounds of it. Because like when I hear the term ocean plastic, I think that like somebody went out there with this giant net and like found plastic from the ocean and decided to like melt it down and turn it into something amazing. Like that's what I picture. And I was just listening the other day about how Adidas has come out with their shoes that they've built out of ocean plastic. So now my question is, I'm going to go do my research because I immediately was thinking, well, now I'm going to go buy Adidas for my new running shoes this year because they're like, I'm going to get the ocean plastic ones because they're made out of recycled materials and that sort of thing. But ocean plastic doesn't necessarily mean that it was pulled from the ocean and used to create a new item. Right. Yeah. So with that example, when I was researching, I found that, you know, the the plastic that they're, you know, coming from with sourcing from, we think that it is 
coming straight from the ocean, like they are removing the plastics from our oceans, right? And we would be like, you know, kudos to Windex for doing that. However, they are sourced, the actual plastic is sourced from plastic banks. And it, it's in Haiti and the Philippines and Indonesia. And these are ocean-bound plastic, which means that they have been collected not in the oceans, but on land. So there is this managing partner of recycling firm, Baten Materials. His name is Vitus Gudias. Hopefully I'm pronouncing it right. But he was making a really good point on this as well with Windex saying that, you know, the sun and the salt disintegrates plastic and it's not usable for recycling. It is also not commercially viable or realistic to pull bottles out of the water at scale. So he's making a point that like, even if Windex was saying this claim, it is actually not realistically, you know, they can't do that. And so giving that perception, that false perception that they're using plastics from the ocean is not true. So you're telling me it's not scalable to have a team of scuba divers single-handedly picking <laughs> up bottles from the bottom of the ocean. Right. <laughs> I am disgusted. I'm going to have to go do some research then because one of the things that probably like breaks my soul and heart the most is like this whole idea that there's like that trash collective in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, right? That huge mass. And I guess the idea that we can't harvest that plastic and do something productive with it is very disappointing to me because as he's saying, like the sun and the salt degrades that. So it's not even viable for recycling. So like if we were to pull that out of the ocean, like what would we even do with it? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm gonna have to go look that up because Erica, I don't expect you to have the answer to that question. <laughs> well, I actually, well, I actually just did, I was in a webinar that was talking about the Great Pacific Garbage Patch and they're estimating 3.2 million tons of trash in that. It says the, about the size of Texas by some of counts of trash. And it's crazy because it's, they're all, you know, microplastics because they've been broken down so much that, you know, our, our marine wildlife, they are eating this. And of course, you know, you'll see fish on your plate and you're thinking about that as well, right? That we're also consuming this plastic now that we have caused. Yeah, I think people are understanding that what we put in the ocean or on, I mean, we don't intentionally put it in the ocean, I understand, but it's starting to affect us from another aspect of the fish are eat or the the fish are eating it and then the birds are eating it and then it's just like a vicious cycle and yes they have found that plastic has been found in like micro amounts that we've ingested because of that so it is it is finally biting us in the ass in a <laughs> more of like sitting in front of our table we're eating it and it's just it's very sad that it's taken that to get us to be like oh shit this is really bad like this, this has been around for so long that this Texas sized garbage thing has not been more prevalent in the news. I am also sad, Charlotte, talking about having to research. I feel like I need to go buy a new laundry detergent because I was thinking about how I have, I don't know, Tide or one of the other popular ones. And I buy like the free and natural because it's supposed to not have like the dyes and the, yeah. I don't know, like for your sensitive side and stuff. Yeah. And now I'm like, uh, it's probably not, that's, I don't know. I, I doubt it's 100% true, right? That it's like 100% plant-based or all those things. So I don't know. I have to go rebuy everything. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I won't do that. I'll finish the things I have so I'm not wasteful. Being eco-friendly, using the things you already have and then choosing to be getting sustainable products. Good job. So now that we're all thoroughly riled up and disgusted with how horrible the actual world is and that it just seems like it's getting worse, Erica, can you tell us for our marketing friends out there who want to be more green and hopefully after hearing this, definitely want to be more green, what are some tips and tricks that you can recommend that they can take action on, whether they are small, large, whatever, we got to start somewhere. Great. So. One thing I love to share my learnings when I started my business, I wanted to focus on business fundamentals. And so I started looking at green web hosting. So I feel like we do have this, you know, perception that the internet 
is like with the internet, websites, blog posts, online videos and streaming, they're all in this cloud. And what that actually means is that they are being, you know, hosted, AKA stored on powerful servers. And these servers need to be in-house and maintained in massive data centers around the world. There's not just this like imaginary cloud that's storing all of our everything. These data centers have increased, you know, at a rapid rate as well. And so these data centers need to be cooled with air conditioning 24 hours a day, 365 days a year to prevent them from overheating and crashing. So with that, it takes an enormous amount of energy. And as a result to the impact, web hosting accounts for 2% of the world's carbon emissions. So that's the same amount as the airline industry. So like the internet, our websites, our blogs, you know, us streaming this podcast right now, it's all within, you know, one of the world's largest polluters. So for small businesses, I feel like you can do something about that and you can choose to to have a green web hosting. So with green web hosting, that is one example is Green Geeks and that's who I use and they calculate how much energy they consume each year. So for everything that they pull from the grid, they actually match three times that in renewable energy. And so your website is not only carbon neutral, but it's carbon reducing. So I feel like small businesses, you can also do that right now to try to combat, you know, with everything going on. I love that. But gosh, I remember one time I was reading that it was talking about how men, how much energy a single email takes. And I remember like reading it and they were saying like, it's really important for you to like think about, because before people used to put those like disclaimers in their signatures were like, think twice before printing this email. And I'm like, who prints emails? But like, now it should almost be like think twice before sending your email because it's it's not even the paper aspect of it it's the the digital energy usage that goes in, that comes into play and this is very fascinating right. what is the point of printing an email if it's an e mail I think I don't it's know, a old school way of thinking, Katie. Like, didn't do you guys? I feel like I used to print a lot of stuff, but I can't think of the last time I printed something because now we've been working remote for a year, and I don't even have a printer in my house. Do you guys remember how much ink printers went through? I felt like I was buying the cartridges on like a monthly basis. It was expensive. I mean, back in the day, you had to print off like MapQuest directions, right? We didn't have our phones to like do anything like that. So it's like there were some things you had to print, but now it's like with technology, you don't have to. But I will say after we first talked to Erica, I have been so good about deleting emails as soon as they come through because I'm like, no, I don't need to say that. There's no reason. I was going to say, is the pricing of green web hosting, is it comparable to normal web hosting? Yeah, so it's it's very similar. I was actually comparing prices from Green Green Geeks web hosting versus GoDaddy, which, you know, is one of the most popular ones. And they have three tiers of pricing with Green Geeks, four tiers with GoDaddy, but the pricing is very same. And both of them um, are WordPress hosting. So it doesn't cost, you know, it doesn't cost that much to to go with Green Geeks. That's disappointing. I kind of now want to go check what we have our own West websites hosted on and be like, can we get green web hosting, please? I feel like that would be an IT battle, though. <laughs> but I will say, so Katie, you're talking about printing things. Now I feel like we probably have a bigger carbon footprint because even though we're not printing as much stuff, the amount of data and like data centers that are happening across the world like are probably greater than what the impact was from, you know, printing paper. I don't have any stats around that. That is just an assumption. But I would imagine that it just continues to grow and grow and grow with internet usage across the world. So obviously emails are kind of similar to websites because they take up data. Charlotte, it looks like this is one of the facts. I think you were talking about how, what energy an email takes or the carbon footprint. So apparently this guy from Lancaster University calculated that a typical business unit creates 135, is that kilograms of carbon dioxide, carbon dioxide from sending emails each year, which is equivalent to driving over 200 miles in a family car. That's one email that makes me feel horrible. Like, well, that's not one email. That's how many it creates. You okay. create in a, in a year. year. 
Okay, yeah. okay. I just I don't feel quite as bad, but I should still. <laughs> like every single email is two hundred <laughs> miles in a family car. Like we'd be like, what is happening? I was like, I'd finish my wine, so I can't <laughs> read anymore. Yeah, but actually, when you think about that, you know, it's every year, but is equivalent to driving two hundred miles in a family car. That's also like one person. And how many emails do we? You know, we have each. I have one personal and one business. I'm sure other people have like other ones or ones that, you know, emails that they're not actually deleting. They're just archiving. And when you're archiving, that also means you're storing it. You're not deleting it permanently. So you have, I'm sure you, you know, me including, like we have emails from like years ago and they're just being stored and stored in these data centers. And so one thing I would recommend is, you know, just, looking at the email and seeing if you if you need this email for future use or can you permanently delete it right then and right there you make the decision can i say that Paige is the most eco-conscious of us all when it comes to that because she literally deletes emails like as soon as they come in sometimes she'll be like oh i don't have that email anymore and i'm like what do you mean you don't have that email anymore <laughs> but to be fair she has me beat by like a lot like a long shot so I'm suddenly remembering how embarrassing my my first email address was from like seventh grade when you mentioned that we all have multiple email addresses. <laughs> Man, that was bad. So just to keep us moving here, because I want to make sure we're able to hit on all of the tips that Erica has for us. One of the other things, Erica, that you had mentioned in one of our conversations was finding a way to manage finances or banking in an eco-friendly way. So can you elaborate on that a little bit more for our listeners? Of course, yeah. So when I was looking at starting my business, of course, with a bank, I wanted that to be sustainable. So I started looking for different banks that had a stance on the environment. And I found one, which was Bank of the West. And so they have a very strong stance on environmental policy of any major bank with prohibiting Arctic drilling, fracking, tar sands, coal-fired power generation, and big tobacco. They, I mean, I'm sure all banks offer that paperless statement, but then they also associate themselves with 1% for the planet. They per, uh, associate themselves with Protect Our Winters, the Conservation Alliance, and the Sustainable Ocean Alliance to take action to combat climate climate change. So with that, I switched all my personal and my business banking to Bank of the West after seeing all of that. That's amazing. So is it fair to say that when people are looking to be more green or eco-friendly and looking at banking options as one of their maybe avenues in which to do so, or if you know, if there's any of us marketers out there who are looking to start their own business or side gigs or whatever, you obviously need business banking. So keeping an eye out for those red flags, like you said, like those, do they, you know, what type of environmental policies do they support? What ones are they, you know, are they against? And looking at spe specifically probably some of these more, it seems like energy related items. It could probably spread the whole gamut, but it seems like those are some good red flags to keep an eye out for. Exactly. Yeah, I would definitely recommend that. Eric, I think another thing you told us about are your business cards. Aren't they made from something very special? Yeah, I think I showed you guys my business cards last time. But yeah, so another thing too, when we were, when I was trying to make my first business cards, I looked up some eco-friendly business cards because when I, I love to network before COVID, I love going to events. And obviously I always had a stack of business cards ready to go. And you could see with any business card, you know, like the glossy finish and stuff like that, those are actually can't be recyclable. And so I started looking for some, some sustainable options. And I found this company called Green Banana Paper, and they make business cards from a combination of banana fiber and recycled paper. And they use materials to make their business cards that are certified PETA approved vegan. And so I... I just ordered all my business cards from them. That's pretty cool. I want a green leaf banana paper 
green banana paper. Yeah. <laughs> this card, I don't know. We've looked into, aren't there ones that have like seeds in them where you can like plant them afterwards and different things like that. So I feel like they've come a long way in more eco-friendly printing, sustainable, compostable paper options than they had probably even like 10 years ago. Yeah, I would say even five years ago. You're totally right on that. Yeah, I print a lot for freelance and at our company. And it's something that I've had to do a different mindset because everyone loves the feel of like a satin finish and have that glossy and for that shine, but it isn't the best for the environment. And so it is something that you have to pay a little extra for sometimes for those recyclable materials, but it's, it's definitely something to at least consider and look into converting over. I feel like with business cards, it used to be like the heavier the card, like, you know, it gave you more of like a stance or something. And that's certainly not the case. I feel like that was also something within business. Like you want to give them a nice finished heavy card that that meant you were like important. I believe you have a offer code that you can provide our listeners for those who would like to go try out some eco-friendly business cards. Do you want to share what that is? Sure, yes. So if you go to Green Banana Paper, I am an affiliate for them. So being transparent and you use the code NANDI and ADI marketing and you get 10% off your order. So I'll get a little bit back, but then it's at no cost to you. So I'm always transparent with my affiliate partners, but I research them. Um, this is how I do with all my affiliates. I research them. And then if I, I do like them, love their products and stuff, then I will put them on put them on my website and, and uh, try to market them as well. Cause I want to promote, you know, all their sustainable business practices. So another huge thing for us when it comes to marketing is events, which I know haven't really been a thing for the last year, but hopefully in this next year, things will start to come back. And having talked to you, I feel like none of our, I feel like events are just not a very eco-friendly thing. They're kind of like a one-time, you have all the swag, you have all the shipping. So I guess when you think about it, shipping has a huge carbon footprint. And then as, if you're picking swag or promotional items that are like single use or people are going to toss in the garbage, that's not very sustainable or friendly for the planet. Do you have any ideas of swag or things that people could use at their booths to give away that could be more eco-friendly? Yeah, so when I used to work for Lyft, I used to do all of the events here in San Diego, and I always used to love passing out functional swag items. So they were ones that people could use, and the thought was that, you know, it's more than a single use. They would use it, you know, more times, and every single time they would actually see the brand and think about it. And so... With being eco-friendly, I have seen, I feel like there's common ones that people, you know, just go directly to, which are the tote bags and the water bottles. But I would try to be a little bit more creative. I mean, I feel like a lot of people have tote bags. And then with water bottles, I feel like you can't just have, you know, pass out like a cheap water bottle. You need to actually maybe invest a little bit more in a water bottle so then people can actually keep it. Some other ones that I do like right now are the reusable mask because we are in COVID that might have like a very minimal branding. I would say a reusable bamboo utensil kit or a reusable straw set is very nice because then people, once they go back to work, they could use that, you know, with their lunch and everything. We already talked about that seed paper, but one thing would be a notebook with seed paper. And one thing I thought was really cool. I actually grew it too. I can't remember what company that gave me this, but it was a tree in a pot grow kit. And I took that home and I really wanted to plant it right after. That's awesome. I need a reusable bamboo utensil kit because I'm so guilty. Like when we go back to the office, I'm so guilty of like eating my lunch and like not bringing utensils. And I need to be so much more conscious of that. So I need to get myself like a reusable kit. I re I judged you guys. <laughs> I was like, I'm bringing my I, own. <laughs> yeah, I brought my own just because I thought theirs was gross, so I never used anything at the office. I've also been seeing a lot of people are more conscious of like COVID and bringing their own utensils or straws because of that too, because they know how it's been cleaned and how who's been touching it. So that is kind of a cool thing. But Erica, you mentioned something about like it makes more sense from a marketing standpoint to have something that's more tangible long term because they're seeing it 
more long term. It like it sounded really simple, but it is smart of like if you're gonna give them a stress ball that they're gonna throw away within a week or a month, that's not really gonna do as much as a notebook that I might use for a full year. So that is that's a cool mindset to have. Well, and I think we're in the similar mindset of we're a team that likes quality swag and we don't want to give away things that we wouldn't use ourselves. So I think that's something that we all align with. Yeah, I remember one, one thing as well when I was at my time with Lyft, we gave like bike lights. So with that bike light and it has the branding, you know, I still have my bike light and I, you know, it's been, I think like two years since we passed those out because you only need it when you bike ride. But every single time, of course, yeah, I'm seeing that brand. It's giving me multiple touch points. So I, I do. I, I love those functional swag items. That's awesome. I like the idea of a bike light. I think there was one other one you told us about, Erica. It was the Rocket Book, which is like a reusable notebook. Obviously, I don't think it was meant to be organic, sustainable, or anything like that. But the idea that you're not using paper, so you can... I don't know if it's like a whiteboard or something, but you can write on it and then erase it and use it again. It seems very sustainable and something that you could have forever or until you can't erase the page anymore. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I think I've had my rocket book at least more than a year. And I've, I have I have three of them, which are like a little tiny little notebook that I have in my purse. I have one that's like almost like a legal pad so I can write some more complex notes. And then I have one that's like a little journal and I've had all those for a year and I just buy the pens and then yeah the ink washes away you just have to spray some water on it that's really cool I feel like we should look into getting those as like swag items I know they are a little bit more pricey but that might be a good option so with our time coming to a close here Erica I feel like one thing is it's always really nice to hear inspiration or advice from people who have accomplished cool things or done interesting things so what is the best piece of advice you were given that you would want to share with our listeners? So I think it's a twofold. It's, I would say to make it short and sweet, it's just start and just ask. I actually don't know who gave me this advice or if it's one that I just kind of like came up on my own, but it's been one, just start. I feel like people, including myself, you know, we need to have everything perfect before starting a business or launching a new product or even going live on Instagram, which, you know, that was me last year turning on my camera for the first time, you know, and going on Instagram live. And I just got so nervous. I wanted everything perfect and everything, but you just, you just need to start somewhere. Right. And then the just ask portion is I've been very fortunate to get clients and partnership opportunities by just asking one thing for, you know, with Bank of the West, right when I signed on with them, I was super happy. I told them, you know, that I found them with 1% for the Planet member directory. I asked them, are there any partnership opportunities with you guys? Because I feel like you're very aligned with my brand and my audience is also business leaders. And they, they got me on their social media. They published an article about me. And that was literally just me asking them. So I feel like those two, just start and just ask. I hope that gives you some some great advice. That's amazing. It is true. If you don't ask, you have no idea what's possible. Like the worst somebody can say is no. And if they say no, you move on with your day, right? But like, like that's incredible. It's really cool. So with that, just so everybody listening here, I know that we covered a lot today. But if you are looking to just make a shift to be a little bit more eco-friendly or you're looking to do a complete transformation, there's a few things that we are hoping you walk away with today just so that you can make a little bit more of an impact and you can feel a little bit better about what you're contributing to do your part. And the first one here is honestly, like you don't have to go green all at once. I think there is a pressure to say like, I need to make this big transformation but there are small baby steps that you can take in your everyday marketing and everyday life to make a difference. Number two is be aware of greenwashing, research what's behind it and try to avoid it yourself. Number three, if you can switch to a green web host, do it. It doesn't cost that much more than what you're using right now, probably. Number four, are you storing or archiving a lot of emails? Go ahead and just delete any of those unnecessary ones. 
Number five, think about what you're printing as far as collateral and business cards. Make sure it's eco-friendly or can be recycled, composted, planted, whatever. A lot of these things end up getting tossed in the end. So make sure it's something that can get either recycled or repurposed in some way. And like we mentioned, think about your swag. Find things that are more sustainable. Think about what people will continue to use after your event and hopefully what they will not just throw in the trash on their way out as they exit the event. What's something that they're going to see and be able to incorporate into their everyday that can eliminate waste or have a more lasting impact. So seven, pick one thing to make your marketing or business more eco-friendly and start doing it tomorrow. And I think we can all cheers to that. So everybody, thank you for listening to another episode of the Wine and Whiteboards podcast. And Erica, thank you so much for being here from Nandi Marketing. Everybody, please go check out her page on Instagram. And also don't forget to purchase your business cards with her coupon code, Nandi Marketing, to get 10% off. Cheers. Cheers. cheers you guys. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for listening to the wine and whiteboards podcast for show notes links templates and other resources visit our instagram page at wine and whiteboards podcast and while you're there follow us to get more hacks and occasional wine themed humor if you enjoyed this episode it would mean the world to us if you would take a minute to leave a review and don't forget to subscribe so you can continue listening to our marketing tips and design tips Cheers! Cheers.